and welcome back to the Slow Growth Podcast. This episode is called Why Balancing Opposite Actions is So Difficult. One of the three principles of slow growth is balancing opposites. Balancing opposites is a very old idea, and some might attribute it to Taoism. But it has even more stark relevance in our absurdly unbalanced modern culture, made up of the fastest extra-largeness. Balancing opposites promotes physical and mental health. It allows things to flow without obstruction. If you've listened to the SGP before, you know the major pair of opposites to practice balancing is doing and not doing or effort and rest. When effort and rest are out of balance and you have too much of one and too little of the other, you get impeded growth in one area and unstable growth in another area. When they're balanced, you have optimally paced and sustainable growth. That's what slow growth refers to, by the way. The reason I call it slow growth and not sustainable growth is that the modern human mind is so fast-shifted that slow is actually moderate. What we think of as moderate is still way too fast, i.e. still unbalanced and unsustainable. What we think of as slow is just right. There are other opposites useful to consider and balance as well like giving and receiving, sound and silence, anticipating the future and reflecting on the past. When you balance these, you get the most ripe, useful versions of them. Balanced sound and silence creates clear signal. Balanced giving and receiving creates deep trust, while balanced anticipation and reflection creates wise presence. But while balancing opposites is so good for growth of all kinds, and it's so simple in principle, it's really hard to do. Every action is self-reinforcing. Whenever we do something, it becomes easier to do. Our brain creates or reinforces a neural pathway, a conversation between different brain areas that allows them to work better together next time we repeat the action. The muscles in our body also create and reinforce patterns of functioning. Practicing jump shots in basketball over and over makes you better at jump shots. And it makes you more likely to take a jump shot when an opportunity arises. Practicing pronouncing a long word, like extraterrestrial, makes it easier to say and makes you more likely to insert it in a sentence about aliens. Like these examples, anytime you do anything, it becomes easier to do, and you're more likely to choose to do it again, overtaking another option. In other words, actions are self-reinforcing. More generally, things that have happened before are more likely to happen again, more easily and more intensely. This is what creates illness and injury. If you do something repeatedly, habitually, 
whatever effects it has will eventually become amplified. You will grow in some ways and be inhibited in other ways. Your growth will be unbalanced. In the extreme version, after years of unbalanced growth, some parts of you will completely shut down, with no growth, while others become rampant and unstable. The longer unbalanced growth continues, the harder it is to rebalance. The lack of uniformity in speed between the fastest growing and slowest growing parts eventually creates a tear, an injury, as one part of you pulls away from the other. This can happen physically and mentally. At this point, you are forced to reconcile the difference by slowing down the fast parts, never the other way around. This is called recovering. This recovery is not growth. It is the prerequisite for growth, to allow the separate parts of you to meet each other once again. Then they can start the work of growing together again. Everyone goes through this at some point in their lives. Everyone gets injured because, as much as it feels like we're each one person, we're actually many people, a collection of all our relationships. And while some of those relationships support our integrity and connection to ourselves, other relationships put pressure on us to pull ourselves apart. Becoming healthier means connecting ourselves to ourselves, which means balancing our inner opposites. We have to start by shining a light on them, seeing the opposites as they are. The part that loves crowds, the part that hates crowds, the part that loves being healthy, and the part that loves not caring about our health, the part that likes to make decisions, and the part that likes to just let things happen. Then we can examine what directions they're going in, which enables us to mediate them, to bring them to mutual understanding and polite interactions with each other. One part leads for a while, then it gives up the reins and lets its opposite side lead. Let's take the common example of diet. There's the part of us that says, I want to be healthy. I need to eat healthy. I need to be clean inside, etc. Then there's the opposite part, the part that says, I want to not care about being healthy. I just want to be in the world, live my life, and stop having to focus on being scared for my future. We are both of these voices. They have a relationship inside us. The more antagonistic or contemptuous they are toward each other, the more pain we'll feel around the issue of diet, the more difficult it will be to conscientiously choose our actions the more compulsive we will be. So how do we get the competing voices to communicate better with each other? We have to start small. First, we have to listen to both of them, hear what they want. Then we can start to balance our actions in small ways, as we let one side lead and then the other. If you find that one side has been dominating for a while, e.g., you have been eating mostly fast food and few vegetables, try the smallest action that would support the healthy voice. You can make it a mini-habit, meaning something so small that you can't fail to do it every day, even on your very worst days, when you have no energy and the world feels like it's against you. 
Maybe it's to eat one piece of fruit or a vegetable per day, a carrot, a tomato, a piece of lettuce. It's up to you to find the action that's easy enough to do every day. The importance of every day can't be understated. The things we do every day change us on fundamental levels. As Stephen Guys, the author of the book Mini Habits, puts it, On days when you want to do more of your chosen habit, you'll do more. On days when you don't want to do more, you'll be grateful that your required habit is so small. There will be more on mini habits in later episodes, I assure you, as they speak to the third principle of slow growth, which is that big problems get solved by tiny solutions. For now, back to the two voices in the diet example. You can choose a mini habit to amplify the quieter voice, the one that's not getting as much attention. Each time you take an action inspired by that voice, the action will get slightly easier to do because, again, every action is self-reinforcing. To summarize, to balance opposites, first you have to identify them. Then you can find the one that's dominant, and then find one or more tiny ways to favor the other side, while respecting that the dominant side got that way because it's easier, it's been done more, and its familiarity provides some kind of comfort for us. Before we start trying to balance a pair of opposites, we often don't have any idea what balanced might look like because we can't even see the non-dominant side. When we start trying to balance them, we suddenly feel much more unbalanced, as moving toward the middle will feel like moving extremely toward the non-dominant side. If you're always slightly turned to the left, looking straight ahead will feel like you're looking to the right. 